afternoon, good evening, good morning. Welcome back to another episode of RC Stuff. As always, I am Charlie Sawanka with Mr. Mike Chen, and we have a special guest today in the form of Hobby Wings' newest staff member, Mr. Matt Gonzalez. Mike, Matt, welcome to the show, boys. Hello. How's it going? It's going well. This is a freshly squeezed episode because we're hoping to do the official super fancy press release on Mr. Gonzalez's employment here at Hobby Link soon. But to build some content for that, we're going to have this podcast available so you guys can get to know Matt. Um, Matt has been in the RC industry for a very long time. He's a bit of a racer. He's a bit of a motor tuning expert. And Hobby Wing hired him to be our new traveling race and events, motor tuning, speed control, basic, you know, team support, customer support guy at all of the races across the nation. Not all of them, but as many as he can fit into his schedule. So without further ado, we're going to chat with Matt here for a second. And you, if, you, if you're not familiar, it's what's your Instagram? Glitch RC? Yep. Glitch underscore like RC or uh, Matthew Gonzalez on Facebook. Right. So, Matt, I'm gonna, I got five questions that I ask all of our racing guests. We're going to hammer through them real quick, and then we'll touch back on them one at a time, uh, just so you can precursor all this. It's when did you get into RC? How did you get into RC? Your favorite class, your favorite track, and your favorite event. So, I'm, I, think, I know most of these stories, I hope. So, we'll, 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 uh, we'll let you cut to it. When did you get into RC, Mr. Gonzalez? Um, I got into RC, uh, my dad used to race down at like Discount Hot Hobby Warehouse here in San Diego. Uh, he raced back in like the 90s and then I got into it uh, around 2000, I would say five. Uh, we just bashed around in the park and then I got a little older and around 2010. We went to the same like hobby shop that he used to race at and uh, they told us that a track like opened up and uh, it's been uphill ever since then. <laughs> so the the classic my dad used to race and i got into racing because exactly he was all right that's fair i knew i liked you guys for a reason my my situation was very similar um so that's the the when and the how so how old were you in 2005 like four? uh four yeah four so we were just going around and yeah, we, we were going around in our park just uh, just kind of like bashing stuff. I remember getting like super frustrated once because the car died. We didn't have any more batteries, so I kicked it. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was your first RC car? Uh, it was the RC, It was the, the T2 or oh, the T3. And a race car, right? Associated yeah. T3. Oh, yeah. I see. And then when I turned six or something, he bought like the factory team T4. And to... we painted it uh, lightning McQueen colors. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> now, when if I feel like next time I go race with you, I'm going to have to give you the kachow from the, from the spectators. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, can I drop a fun fact real quick? Please. <laughs> so I know the guy that Tomato is based off of. The, the person? The person. How do you know this man? He is the owner operator of our local RC track, of my local RC track. Oh, his really? daughter uh, is one of the apparently his daughter is one of the animators <laughs> for cars. Oh, so, right. Tomator was based on him. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I made, I, I made you a legendary co- uh, character forever. That's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I love that. And then, so 2006, you got the the race, the next vehicle, and this was still for bashing in parks, or this is where yes. the track kicked in. 
Man. So the T4 po- the T4.1 was already out. My dad didn't like mess around like when it came to getting kits or anything like that. I think like my first race car that we got when I when we first started racing was like the Team Durango stuff. Oh, okay. Which was, you know, pretty expensive. I remember I like saved up all my money. I went like couch cushion to couch like cushion finding all the quarters. <laughs> I saved up enough to like get the kit. My dad built it and then I think it was just yeah. From there, I just ran mod four old buggy, thinking that you know it was that easy, and uh, it was not. At the ripe age of ten, <laughs> so at, then you became the stock racing expert extraordinaire, right? You guys came to your senses. Yeah, uh, you know, just magically, it uh, it happened. Uh, I would say six or seven years later. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for, for me, like the stock racing thing happened, uh, I started racing stock when I ran for associated in 2017, 2018. Okay. And then I, uh, I, then I raced for team Trinity, uh, for a, a year and then I went to Phantom and then that's where I really learned a lot of the stock motor game stuff for sure. I'm like, a lot, uh, there's a guy down here, uh, in the California area named JD, like Ramsey who taught me a lot of the stuff on how to make my stuff like faster. I know JD. Um, JD is a SoCal legend. I love JD. JD is the reason I know a decent amount of stuff now. Um, You're discrediting yourself. I'm just kidding, JD. I'm just joking. He he helped me out a lot. So he gave me like, just kind of like how to do it. And then after that, uh, I just kind of went off on the whole team, team glitch like tangent. I did that after I won the 2021 or 2021, Roar Nationals in stock two wheel thirteen five four wheel. I thought I'm like, well, uh, I felt like when I was a kid, there was no one at the track to really explain to people what power, how to lay power down or give power to people. So I decided that I'd do it myself. Uh, when I ran for Phantom, I sold their basic model motors for uh, a decent penny, and then uh, that's how I. What I've so, pretty much been doing for the past few years. Just to summarize here, just real quickly, yeah. he was an on-site motor tuner. You could bring him your motor, and he would go through, do his magic to it, or send it to him. You, the people would send you motors, right? Yeah. Did, so uh, servicing, it was like getting like a, your your engine blueprinted. If you're yeah, familiar. exactly. So I'd pretty much get stuff sent. Uh, people would either send me their motors, like when I ran for Phantom, I could only do Phantom stuff. Um, so I did. A majority of the Phantom like Icon like V2s, I would clean them, polish the rotors, all that like fun stuff, and then uh, I'd send them out. And then I I would I never heard any complaints when I ran for Phantom, which was cool, except from uh, a couple like locals. <laughs> you um, always you can never get zero complaints. Somebody has to. Complain. Yeah, there's always one complainer. I'm like, but he's not allowed at our like local track anymore. So. <laughs> uh. But yeah, and then I ran for Trinity again, and I started doing it through Trinity, doing team 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 glitch motors, and then after that, uh, I left Trinity and ran independent for the last year or so, and then I just did team glitch for everybody. Uh, anybody could send me a motor in. Um, I would charge a decent amount to get it tuned, cleaned, checked all, checked out, and that's what uh, paid for me to go to the twenty twenty three Worlds. 
here. And, uh, he, wa- he would wave his magic wand over the spec motors and put Matty Juice on it, and then it was faster than it was exactly. Yeah, it, was, it, it worked well to the point that he made such a reputation that when we started looking for a motor man, we're like, we should hire this guy. He already does this. This is exactly yeah. what we. <laughs> it, I, I did. I did it for pennies on the dollar, like pretty much, to just try to support myself living in super expensive San Diego. Right. Could be worse, I suppose. Yeah, it could be worse. So uh, that brings us to a, uh, we still got a couple questions to cover before we get too too far off into storyland. But that's I mean that summarizes most of your RC history, sort of. Yeah. I guess. You know, yeah, briefly. That, that summarizes you, you, most you, of it. You're, you're 22 years old, so that's a 10 year story in you know five minutes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so your favorite class of RC since you've raced mostly off road, right? Um. Yeah, uh, honestly, I like my most favorite class is modified four wheel, but I'd okay. rather do better in two wheel, which right. usually doesn't happen. <laughs> two wheels, <laughs> a lot more uh, tuning, I think, than and a little more technique. Uh, You're gonna be finessing that car around. Yeah, I don't. There's no finesse going on over here. It's just breaking Stock the out. trigger off, like for sure. <laughs> so your favorite track is it? Is it SDRC? It would have to be like SDRC. I'm like, um, a lot of good like memories there. Um, San, Diego, my... San Diego, San Diego RC's been in that location for they moved so the, once or twice. Right? Yeah, so that location has been there since 2014, but the original building was there in 2010. Okay, and that's that. The facility itself has been through a couple owners over the years. Yeah, and this most recent been... owner. Like he's treating it like a real business. He's he's not like a lot of tracks. The owner's there every day. This guy's got a manager. He's got a race director. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's got a bird that that takes he, care. He, of he does have a bird. The, the bird lives in his bird birdhouse next to the track, and he does a pretty good job of taking care of, of everything. There, there's a track guy there that Matt calls the bird. Brendan is his name, right? Brandon yep. or Brendan? And uh, he lives on site. So it's kind of cool. We were there, you know, before they opened to do some testing a, a month or so ago. Guy let us in. We had the track all to ourselves for a while. It, it, it's, it's pretty, it's it's pretty awesome. neat to have your own clubhouse with a, a very nice track and driver stand inside. So. Yeah, uh, they've been doing a lot of good. Good work over there as of like recently, just trying to get the track like back in shape and like and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm like after COVID. I think every business like hit a spike and then after COVID when things started getting back to not on lockdown, um, you know, RC became kind of a, kind of irrelevant again. There's so much stuff that you can do in San Diego. So we're just <laughs> yeah. trying to get so much other stuff you can do in San Diego. It's not like the Midwest or anything like that where you can go race RC cars when it's snowing and then when it's hot out. Yeah. So. It's like being like landlocked almost yeah exactly so uh favorite event in the rc circuit of traveling nonsense honestly i like the past or present it doesn't have to be it could be one that doesn't past happen or present. Yeah. Um, honestly i really liked the iocc and i got to kind of get a little bit of experience of that yeah i had a lot of fun at that and that then, was the first uh, place we ever met before i knew who yes. you were Exactly. Great. You don't remember me at all. I'm sure, like from from the event, but no, was, Vegas it, is it a was... rough one. That, <laughs> that was when we would do both of the races back to back, and I was yeah. there for like 14 days, never left a casino type of deal. So yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot forgotten. 
What happens in yeah. Vegas stayed in Vegas. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. And then I actually had a lot of fun at the the carpet champs like this past like a couple of, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. I thought that was enjoyable. Um, for... Matt's debut to the Hobby Wing situation was to travel with me to a hotel race, the U.S. Carpet Off-Road Championships. We've talked about it on previous episodes. It happens at the Embassy Suites. So you're in a super fancy hotel, and there's a race set up in the ballroom. There's pits all over the place. It's on the one of the episodes of The Charlie Show a couple episodes back, so you can take a tour around there. But Matt got to go and do Matt's Magic to Motor's at the event, uh, not just hobbying motors. He helped pretty much anybody that walked up that wanted a hand and uh, got a lot of people going fast. We had a lot of people running hobby wing motors. We had a little shop set up there to sell stuff. And we, I think we sold 10 or 15 of everything. Everything that yeah. I brought, 13.5 and 17.5, people were buying it. So Matt would do his magic to it. And as we had talked about in the last episode, I did a little magic to the sensor boards because thanks to the testing that Matt and I did at San Diego, yeah. uh, we found that you know, our inability to space the rotor closer to the sensor board keeps the rotor where it's supposed to be in orientation to the stator. And then yes. I whip out the soldering iron and I move the sensor board closer to the rotor to help, you know, change the air gap. And it doesn't work universally. We found it's it's better for some motors than others, depending on what turn you're yeah. running. The, the 17.5 and above seem to like it. 13.5 yeah, it's definitely like better it. for the higher turn stuff. So Matt got to go out to that race. He got to race. I got to drive his car. I didn't break it. He ran uh, 13.5 boosted in modified class, which if you sounds crazy, but some of the stock guys lap times are faster than the top modified guys at races yeah. like that. It's pretty small, very high bite track. So the advantage of horsepower often is a disadvantage, uh, as we found. Matt's, Matt's lap times were faster with the 13.5 than they were. What did you start with? A 4.5? Like a crazy person? Um, I ran a four five because I thought, uh, you know, I'd be like all the cool kids who go fast and I decided to put Orlowski's, uh, speed control settings on it from beach line, which are just by far a way larger track. Double, maybe and, triple the size of what. Yeah. I went out there thinking I'll be the man and, um, it, it was not pretty. Uh, the tech guy, Jody was uh, definitely making me feel greater than I already felt after running my first few practice sessions. Hey, but he was also your, your hero. If it wasn't for him, <laughs> he was. would have been out to lunch on the 13.5 setup. Like, he helped me figure out some stuff with the boosted tuning. So hats yeah. off, Jody. You're the man. He is the man. Jody, Jody is the guy. <laughs> he rocks the mullet. You can't miss him. If you ever go he to does. Scotty's uh, Cleveland races, you'll, you'll get to meet Jody. He runs tech and does He's lots angry of angry tech things. guy. <laughs> Favorite question is when is my motor going to be done? Right. Yeah, he does the motor tech. So if you're unfamiliar with spec racing at big races, they have to have their motors run through tech inspection to make sure that they're legal. And they check the inductance of the stators at a fixed temperature. So the motors sit in an incubator for till they get to the right temperature and they get checked yeah. on a machine. They paint some screws and they put a sticker on it and then you get to race that throughout the weekend. So um, some guys would tech uh, one motor for one class, right? That seems reasonable. And then they race two or three stock classes. So that's two or three motors per driver. And then most of these guys would tech a second motor as a backup. 
and then they'd come over to the Hobby Wing booth. They'd buy a motor that we would tune, so they would tech that one also. So Jody must have teched a couple thousand motors, I feel like, yeah. over the weekend. It, was, it got it, out of hand. It, there was definitely a pile over there at one point. I don't think there was at any point in the weekend. Even on Sunday, there was motors up there. Yeah, yeah. There was so always somebody just, waiting to get teched. What's what's funny is that uh, the tech stuff at races only happens that it only happens at nationals, masters of dirt, and Scotty's race. Tech, there is no tech at any of these other events. There's like everyone just, you, you, just goes. And, by and then what happens rule. if someone decides to call cheater? Like that's it. There's no way to check it out, huh? Well, none of these guys bring the equipment like to the events or know what they're know what they're like looking at. Ah, that sounds so, fun. That's yeah. that's the problem. It's it's not like it's rocket science. I've run motor tech over the years, and the only no. thing that's really changed in the last couple of years is that now the inductance number is fixed. Like Roar has posted a number that all the manufacturers can meet, and yeah, the, and there used to be individual numbers for every motor, and it was a nightmare because you'd have to remember all the brands and all these other things. Yeah. And once this temperature equalization thing started, and I think. Uh, Lemieux is the one yeah. who started doing this originally for Scotty's races. Yeah. And so, so Polly started it. Yeah. That Roar adopted it. So hats off to Gravity RC's uh, proprietor, Motive RC's proprietor, Paul Lemieux, for fixing RC. And he did this all at the Cleveland race, the indoor champs, the, the on road yeah. side of it. Scotty's been I'm carrying like it around for the rest of the events now. It's so good that I have, I'm staring at an incubator right now. <laughs> Yeah, for companies to submit their motors to Roar, they want to make sure that the submissions are going to go through. So all these companies have incubators and the same inductance meters so that we can kind of pretest everything if it gets submitted. Yeah. And also, it allows us the opportunity to go to events and be like, "Hey, we all know how tech is supposed to work. We can do a little bit of proof of concept here and show you guys who's cheating or not cheating." If we want to, yeah. I don't think we're going to do that. I don't want yeah, to. Be- I'm like. It, it, it becomes a problem when the manufacturer, well, people working for the manufacturer do tech. Right. It needs to be a non-biased, like Jody. Jody's yeah. just there. Jody's sure. the man. Non-biased, <laughs> gets to see everyone's numbers, and that's that's how it goes. Right. Well, I mean, or whoever does the work should get get the yeah. info too, because Paul does it for the on road side of it. And I don't, I don't see there's any problem with that. You just keeping your finger on the pulse of the industry, which is always a good thing. Uh, so we're gonna. Mike had some questions for you that I, he he alluded to me what they were beforehand, and I think that it's going to be perfect because this exact topic came up. Um, Mike, ask ask him ask him a question. I'm excited. Okay. Okay. Um, well, my question is, I, I, I kind of wanted to, I, I've, what I've been told is that, you know, you, you have the info on batteries. So oh boy. in, in drones, we're always fighting the, the capacity versus weight kind of thing. Yeah. And I heard you got some, some strategies for cycling batteries, et cetera, et cetera, to make them more efficient. I or, do. This is perfect. Ooh. You want, you want to, want to share that secret sauce? Um, it's. I have it on my charger. It's called kill mode. Okay. Um, I take the batteries all the way down to five, nine, uh, two cell at 40 amps Two cell at 40 amps. Okay. What that does is it heats the battery up a lot, uh, lowering the internal like resistance. So that way you can see, uh, how low the IR is getting. And then with that, you can get all the milliamp like out of it. So that way, when you bring it all the way back up, you can see how much milliamp you actually lost throughout the run, 
or throughout the cycle life. So when Charlie and I were doing testing, uh, the batteries that we decided to use were the Protex. And luckily, with the cells that they have, uh, we were able to get a decent amount of life out of them for the like 10 packs that we would do a day with yeah, every one of them in a cycle. The heart cycle, he does before every run. So you, you do a full discharge cycle on it, and then you charge it back up at 40 amps like that too, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I was. I would like to try seventy amps going up, (laughs) but um, I don't want to cause any fires in these facilities. (laughs) And then you know, have to explain to uh, D that oh, fire marshal caused caused a fire, right? Because uh, you know we're trying to go super fast, but forty forty seems to be safe-ish. I think the hottest I got a battery at the carpet champs. Uh, was like 145. And this is a slippery slope because you're shortening the life of these batteries. You're running oh, yeah. a risk of damage, obviously. And you can get booted from tech because if you go through tech, a lot of these places, they do a temperature check on the battery. Yeah. And if you're above ambient or they have a they have a max temperature that they usually allow, uh, you don't get to run. You like So, you know, these are all. But the, in the world of spec racing, the batteries as important as anything else in the spec racing program. And if I, if I'm honest, probably the most important part from the experience that I've had over the years. Uh, and when we were at the race, Matt had folks bring him their batteries and he would just cycle them for them and give them an idea if they were good or bad. And the chargers that they do this with have a discharge bank so that they can pull the 40 amps from them. And then you get IR information off of the charger. So much like you want to check a motor, you're able to check the batteries this way. So you could start hot cycling your drone packs and get some comparisons of what's going on there and see the IR as well as the milliamps, I guess, is the, is the main goal here. Lowest IR yeah. with the most milliamps. What, uh, what milliamp are your drone-like batteries? Uh, t- 1,300. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't forty amp those. That, no, that no, 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 no. I was that was going to be my next question because you know amperage and voltage kind of go uh, sit on a teeter totter. Yeah. So I'm like, if we're upping the voltage that much, should we still be running the same amperage? Because that's a lot of amps. It, it's milliamp based. The car batteries are four to six thousand milliamps yeah. that we can do this to them. So. And they're 100C, you know, stickers, so it's supposed to take the heat. Yeah, we are killing these batteries in about four, anywhere from 25 to about 45 seconds. Jesus. Like, most of the time you're coming down at, like, three volts. Yeah. That's... Uh... So, <laughs> they have pretty, they get cycled pretty hard already. <laughs> Yeah, that that um, like we have a forty eight hundred that we're running in the four wheel. Like this is a lower like profile battery. Okay. And um, I shouldn't be cycling it at forty forty, right? Because it's a lot less like milliamp than the other yep. than than like the other one is. Um, but I still do. Uh, <laughs> the the Protex stuff has definitely been the best IR that I've seen out of batteries since. I ran for Trinity in like the mid two thousands. 
So or disclaimer it, here, we are not in any way, shape, or form telling any of you to go cycle your batteries because they're going to no. blow up. They're not going to last very long, and you, you have to have very expensive no, no, no. charger and discharge bank. Temperatures Let's, are all bad. But this is some of the things that the spec racing world gets into when yeah. they start, you know, being pro Let me racing. explain. Like, <laughs> when I race stock at the high level, it was cycle every race, every practice-like session. And then that battery would get turned into a club racing battery. And then after that, the manufacturer that I would run for um, would give me new batteries for that next event. Right. This is so you're replacing batteries monthly. And these are the $150 race batteries. These are not the cheap ones. No. So, point of reference here. Just a clarification here. If it's just an average club race and you're just having fun with your buddies. And you want a little bit of an edge, you can do this. If not, <laughs> I don't recommend killing your batteries. Uh, yeah, and if you do it like get really one, expensive, real quick. Right. My my story to to killing batteries was the Reedy race in uh, 2014. It was the last time I made the main in spec class because of battery torture. I was in the C main, and I, my buddy walks over. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing with your battery program?" I'm like, "Nothing." He's like, here, take my charger, do this to your battery. I put it in 10th in the main or 9th, something like that. At the next, so it, so it made the, the program. I changed nothing else except how I charge my battery. So it was kind of an eye-opener that I didn't want to race spec. But that's why Hobby Wing brought a spec racing guy along to go to the races and help you all out. So yeah. if you guys, uh, we're going to have a schedule posted. Matt's going to get to go to basically any race that he wants to for the most part. And we're going to get all that stuff kind of up here with the press release and all that. That'll be coming out in January. I think we're going to give it a little bit of time, get a couple more races under his belt, have some good news to share with folks, introduce all of our new team drivers that he's bringing on board as well. So I'm very excited for the addition of Matty G to the team because we've been missing somebody that knew what they were doing at the racetrack besides our team drivers. And those guys are jammed up. They can't help everybody. So Matt gets to go. He gets to race still. Like it's not like he's just gonna be motor guy. He's gonna also get to race. I'm, as well. I'm partially retired, like race guy at this point. There we go. There we go. I think that anybody <laughs> that works at these companies and goes to events to support people should race. I've just lost the will to race anymore. So when I go to the races, I'm always pulling from the team driver information instead of my own experience. So. Well, I, I have a perfect idea here. I'll just run two wheel. Or I'll run four wheel and you run two wheel because you were getting around pretty oh. good with the old two wheel at uh, the carpet race. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk more about that later, maybe. Um, but we're we're getting we're almost through our lunch break long recording here, so we're gonna Mike. What's the real reason that everybody actually listens to RC stuff? Uh, hang on, I don't have my spreadsheet open. free rc stuff of course free rc stuff you may or may not know that we give away a free hobbying system or accessories you can kind of pick a little bit here uh, each and every episode and we've gotten to the point where we want to tell you how to enter to win it's very easy all you have to do is send an email in uh, with your name your address, you want to type out your email address, put your phone number in there, put your shirt size in there, and also let us know what kind of RC stuff you're into. If you want to tell us a cool story, you want to say nice things about the show, I'm not saying 
and I'm biased. I'm a little biased when we pick the winners, but you can put all that in there. And again, that email address is rcstuff at hobbywing.com. And you can also send us suggestions for the show. Who you, you want us to interview, perhaps? You got questions that you'd like us all to discuss? Anything, send it, rcstuff at hobbywing.com. So that brings us to this week's winner. Without further ado, from Portland, Texas, Mr. Dalton Kemp. Woo! Congratulations, Dalton. Yay. We're going to get you RC stuff to go in your basher fleet. He's a long-haul trucker that travels around with an RC car to do bashing on his downtime. That's super cool. So, nice. Sick. Congratulations, sir. Um, also, don't forget, go back a couple episodes. Listen about our ambassador program. You want to nominate somebody that's real good for your RC community. Send us their information, their story, some pictures of them in action at the track, whatever you got. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be a little. And they will be considered for our RC ambassador program where Hobby Wings is going to send out some boxes of thanks to folks that make the RC community around yourself better. Folks that help that do things at the track, do things for other racers, whatever the case may be. It can be yourself even. If you think that you need a pat on the back, we can help you out with that as well. Um, Mike, did I forget anything? Mm, James is still fast. Mm, James is still fast. Callie's zone, I think, might be faster very soon or <laughs> right now. That reminds me, drone people. I watched the outtake videos from uh, MultiGP of the complaint department. That was <laughs> I, I like really. That. The only thing that I wish there was was there was a complaint that Charlie wasn't there. But, oh, well, I, 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 you guys were busy. It was a busy week. It was I love that, that the drone racing stuff gets all this media coverage. Huh? <laughs> and we could never get on the TV. That, that infuriates, so I, myself included, drones popped on the radar. On TV, everybody talks about it. I've been traveling around the world doing RC cars for a long time. And as soon as I got a drone thing on my shirt, people would stop and talk to me about it. But if I, you know, you, you, when you travel, they'll chat you up. What are you doing? Is this for work or for pleasure? I'm like, I'm traveling for work. What do you do? I'm going to an RC car race. They're like, what? They race RC cars? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Dudes make a living. They're like, no way. I'm like, companies pay me to go to these races just to help our customers. What? Drone racing, these dudes will wear you out. You're like trying to order food, and the waiter wants to talk to you about drones, and they're super interested and have all these questions. It's yeah, I, I feel you, sir. Yeah, like in high school, like a like when I ran for Hobby Wing, uh, I wore a Hobby Wing shirt, and this I uh, I would peer tutor, which was just a free period, pretty much in the <laughs> engineering class. So I'd bring all my stuff to work on. And this kid, I, this kid like that I've never talked to. I've seen him around. He was like one of the the jocks who played like like football. He comes up to me, and goes, "Hey man, you, you run for Hobby Wing?" <laughs> and I go, "Yeah." He goes, "You're really good at the toy car stuff, right?" I'm like, "RC cars, but yeah." <laughs> he goes, "You get free stuff," and I'm like, "Yeah." And I'm like, uh, "Can you get me some drone stuff?" And I'm like, "No." I've never talked to you before in my life. And plus, I have to, like, I can't just give out free stuff. Now, now you can. You work here, so it's even better. <laughs> I get away but, free but, stuff all the time. It's great. It's the best part of the job. But the point is, is that I had never a had anybody ask me about RC car stuff. But drones? Yes. Right. But drones, I had someone ask me if they could get <laughs> the hookup on free drone stuff from Hobby that's, Wing. That's great. I had a bunch of people hard, come man. back out of the woodwork to hit me up when the word got out that Hobby Wing made drone stuff. They were RC guys that got into drones instead, and they all wanted to try it out. So, 
free stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, uh, that that brings us to a close here. As always, thanks for listening. Charlie Swanka with Mr. Mike Chen and our special guest, Matt Gonzalez, who you can email directly through. <gasps> no, I'm not giving out his email address. <laughs> want to talk to Matt, send it to rcstuff at hobbywing.com. We'll put you in touch with Matt directly. And he can decide yep. if he wants to give you his new work email address. No, that's fine. Just go for it. That's why I'm here is to help. There was, to that's help, the spirit. Uh, help M, everybody M. Gonzalez. M. Gonzalez at hobbywing.com is, is waiting exactly. for you. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We will see you all next time. Bye. See ya.